This is episode 14 with Bhavani Isapathy. You're listening to the Hustle Culture Podcast, where we profile hustlers from all over the world as they go through the climb and seek to make a difference. Here are your hosts, Tayo Roxon and Carlos Gill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Hustle Culture Podcast. As usual, I've got my co-host, Carlos Gill. I call him Los. You all call him Mr. Gill. He's uh, he's here today calling me from a hotel in L.A., and I'm in New York City, and our guest is in the United Kingdom. Today, we will be talking to uh, Bhavani Sapati, who's an amazing entrepreneur, uh, and also she's got a great story. But before we get into that, I would love Mr. Lowe's himself to tell us what has been going on and just introduce himself. What is happening, hustlers? Thank you for watching us here on Blab. For those of you that are watching us, you can see that I'm not in my usual digs. I'm here, as Tayo knows, at a hotel room in Southern California, getting ready to take my family after the show to Disneyland. And some of you are probably wondering, what's this guy doing on Blab when he should be with his family going <laughs> out? But you know what? Hustle never sleeps. So when we decided to launch a show, we made a commitment. We're going to go on Saturday mornings. So boom, here I am in the seat. Looking forward to chatting with our guest, Pavani, today. She's a great mission, great cause, and we are so excited to have her. And for those of you listening to us on iTunes, welcome to another episode of Hustle Culture. Absolutely. And and Bhavani and everyone just tuning in for now, we usually start with weekly grind. So we talk about how we hustled during the week. I know you've got a great story, Bhavani, and um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, but um, th- that's what we do. That's what we do. We try to get the audience and ingratiate them to let us know really what we've done in terms of hustle. We stay true to the name of the show and whether it's success or whether it's failures. We just want to be as real and authentic as possible. Uh, so we do that. I- I'll go ahead and kick us off and then I'll pass it on to you like Steph Curry does, Bhavani. Um, but I'll pass it on to you. But um, for me, this week, it's been crazy. Um, I literally have not slept much. I think I can count the amount of hours I've slept. So it's been <laughs> a lot of four, staying up to 4 and waking up at 7. But it's because, like, as I said in the last uh, episode, I, you know, I'm, I'm working on launching a network of podcasts that focus on you know, millennial topics, diversity topics, and entrepreneurship topics. So I've been going around pitching to distribution partners, um, working on pilots and recording those, coming up with storylines and crafting that. So that that naturally leads to many sleepless nights. And I've also been working on the pitch deck on my end to, uh, you know, to craft it like, you know, Shark Tank style to make sure if I go to an investor, I can say, this is the problem. This is what we're solving. This is why, you know, I'm the person with this. So it's been a lot of sleepless nights, but it's not been a bad set of work. It's just led me to have a lot of uh, impromptu naps. I think Carlos caught me. <laughs> This morning before our call, you just called me right after I woke up from a nap because uh, that was the only time I could find some sleep. But um, yeah, I've been focusing on building that network of podcasts, and that's been my week. But what about you, Bhavani? You've you've had an interesting week. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's one way to put it. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, I'm just like looking, going like, oh, it's Saturday. Yeah, it's been a whole week. Uh, yeah, um, it's been pretty good. I kind of uh, get what you mean about speaking to investors or trying to p- prepare your pitch deck because it's similar to what I've what I've been doing, and it's also quite interesting. I don't know how you find it to try to pitch something that isn't entirely focused on revenue generation. So, right. Uh, so that's been quite uh quite curious. I've, I've been learning a lot as well as mm-hmm. uh meeting with a lot of people so it's kind of just been like every day just meeting people trying to annoy people right before christmas and uh, telling them oh yes i'll email you next week and then them telling me oh no i'm not at work i'm like Mm -hmm. okay but uh yeah (laughs) uh, besides that i think what tayo is referring to was that i uh just got back from the hospital which uh was a uh, which was a weird thing i had to like uh, I was doing a, a, a Skype or what, uh, on like right before I had to leave. And then I was like, oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I won't be able to speak to you tomorrow. And they were like, why not? I was like, kind of need to go to the hospital. <laughs> and they are like, really? Okay, you look so fine. I was like, that's the whole point of what I do. So we can get into that. But, uh, yeah, so got out of that, had a meeting this 
afternoon as well where uh thankfully it was skype and i could like i i, I could just go like yeah yeah like i, I look i am very professional indeed like yeah i haven't just gotten out of the hospital um so yeah that's kind of uh, been my week mostly yeah And, and we'll get into that early in, uh, more in the interview, uh, your story, because it's very unique. Um, and I think it's one that will Well, you know, it's actually been a busy couple of weeks. But, uh, what uh, about you, Carlos? Thanksgiving you and uh, the couple of weeks in between that, I flew back and forth to Florida from California a couple of times. So that in itself, just getting reacclimated to going from the east to west, you know, that itself takes, takes a toll on you. But from a business side, this is my favorite time of the year because it really gives you an opportunity to start looking ahead, to start putting the gears in motion. And while so many people, whether they, they work in the corporate world or they have their own businesses, like to take the holidays, to take off, to rest and relax, which don't get me wrong, I believe that is firmly important, but yet people completely disconnect where I think this is the time of year where you should really be looking to what are you going to do for the, for the first three months to ensure that you have a very successful new year head. So one of my goals is to speak at more conferences next year and announcement here this week, I was invited to mm. speak at South by Southwest, which Ooh, yeah, for awesome. me, for me, it's, it's been a dream of mine to speak Hello. at South by since <laughs> as long as I can remember. And uh, you know, officially I'll be speaking there in March I will be uh, speaking on personal branding and leveraging social media in your job search and uh, in your career. So uh, really thankful for the opportunity and uh, just excited to share all that um, with you guys once March rolls around. Cool. That sounds amazing. All right. And uh, also... <laughs> This guy, he's been modest. <laughs> he's also got invited to speak at social media today. So he's got a big year ahead of him in terms of speaking, uh, speaking engagement. So that would be, um, you know, that's what we're looking for. I think in hustle culture, we, we like to talk about the balance between hustle and work. But a lot of times, you know, holidays is not a universal thing for us. You know, you find the time where you can well, you know, spend, but time, we also have to make sure. I was, sure I was just going to say, so, you know, time, times are so, our greatest asset. But with that being yeah. so, we all have the same 24 hours in the day. And I believe our success is greatly determined on how we leverage and utilize that time that we have. And, you know, a lot of folks, they, they like to disconnect. They, you know, any Star Wars fans in the house? You know, a lot of people have been going to the movies this past week, getting all excited <laughs> about that hype. And, you know, Tyler can attest to it. Bavani, I'm sure you can as well. When you're constantly grinding, your mind is always churning. And, you know, there's really that that disconnect while it's important. It's also equally important that you're constantly thinking about how am I going to continue to produce? Because the second that you slow down, that's when someone else is going to be going after that spot that you're you're aiming for. So. Okay. And speaking of grinding, there's no better personification of that than our the lovely guest today, Bhavani Sapati. So I'm going to give you the floor, Bhavani. Why don't you tell us your story? Tell us about yourself and how you got to, to develop oh, wow. such a uh, Wasn't that the whole hour last time when we did? Um... <laughs> it was. Cool. It was. But, you know, new audience, new show. Yeah, so. um, yeah, uh, cool. So do you just want me to go straight into Chronically Driven or... No, I would love to hear more about the, the background, the story about, you know, because the chronicle illness and how that, how you change your perspective. Yeah, um, I think, I suppose, uh, you know, people talk a lot about, oh, so what, what should I do for the rest of my life? Or like, uh, what job should I take? Where should I live? Blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, all of these things. And, uh, you, you know, I went through the same thing and I, and I still think we all do. Um once wrote an article that was about not having a purpose because I think our purpose is always changing. And once you recognize that, it's easier to feel more grounded. But one of the things that's been quite constant for me is that mm -hmm. I've always been uh, very ill. I've, no, I've, no, I've not been, uh, you know, the healthy person who gets to go out, who does a lot of different things and blah, blah, blah. So, um, th th so that's something that has been probably the most constant thing as horrible as it may sound and I realized that a lot of people kept uh, telling me about how 
how they feel sorry for me or how they think oh that that's terrible and and so on however because that's all i have ever known i i never thought about what it would be not to have these limitations or or what i could do if i didn't have them because in my head these were the reasons i was able to do the kind of things i did and that's kind of where the inspiration for chronically driven came from mm -hmm. um last year when it launched when when well i had to give up um a job that i liked as well as was was a pretty big deal for me at the time and then that's simply because i couldn't work within the system of you know the nine to five um and and and, and as well as um it it, right. it wasn't just uh the job i mean that was effectively the first job i've ever had so i've never actually had a quote and code a proper job and i was like that might, that might be cool but the, when my doctor said oh like if you continue working you're going to die like literally there is no other way you can do this so, so Wait, why did the doctor say that well why did that's doctor say the you thing like, you um, and this is something, something quite uh I, I was really pleased to speak about here where you're talking where you talk about hustle culture is mm -hmm. that you know for someone with uh, a chronic condition a chronic incurable condition even working nine to five sat at a desk mm -hmm. is far too much but having said that that doesn't mean you can't mm -hmm hustle there are different mm -hmm. ways that you can you can go about it but legally and medically doctors are advised to tell you not to work because mm -hmm. um because in in a worldwide view that the idea of hustle is to work non-stop is to work yourself to the bone um so uh, so yeah that's kind of why uh, i was told that but uh to me hustle means a whole different thing which we can uh, get into but uh, the chronically driven essentially grew out of that where I wanted to share uh, stories about people who have various different limitations and essentially mm -hmm. it was about having oh uh, conditions that are chronic incurable and that are invisible effectively because one of the reasons I wasn't able to get any support was because uh, my employers or anyone else essentially said oh well you aren't covered in equality laws, you aren't covered in disability laws. So there's like, we don't, we're not legally obliged to support you in any way. So, um, so yeah, the stories essentially are, are an attempt at changing the narrative of having a disability from, you know, oh, despite of whatever, having these things, you still do this too, because of what are the things that you can do when you're unable to do the things that everyone else can. Bhavani, so for those that are watching uh, here on Blab or, or listening to us on the podcast on iTunes, you talked about your cause, which is chronically driven, which you are essentially putting a face and a voice behind critical illness. So what exactly is critical illness and how has it affected you specifically? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, well, we kind of define the idea of uh, invisible conditions, which are all, uh, medically speaking, your autoimmune conditions, which are about 80 to 100 different types, depending on who, uh, which organization you look at, because they cl classify them separately. And they are incurable, and they're invisible, and they're chronic, which means that they take effect every single day, and you're unable to live uh everyday normal life as everyone else does and specifically to me i've got um crohn's disease that mm. uh, where i only have a very small portion of my intestine left mm. uh as well as uh, i've got a kind of an inflammation that affects my spine mm. because as a result of crohn's disease which is an autoimmune inflammatory condition um as well as i have uh, i'm an asthmatic where wow. i had to get one of my lungs removed when I was like 16. So which kind of makes it, I see Tyre wow. shaking his head. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it's a whole combination of those things that don't allow me to, you know, sit on at a desk for like nine to five or uh, be in an office at 9 a.m. 
or uh, do other things that most people take for granted. Wow. So through your uh, website, Crockley Driven, um, through the community that you've established, tell us about some of the stories of the members of the community and how exactly are the masses getting behind these folks in need? Yeah, um, I think uh, the, one of the pr uh, primary principles that uh, I was very, very certain of is not to become, not to merely spread awareness or not, because if you look at most of these support groups, you can look at, you know, the Crohn's and colitis group, you can look at mm -hmm. MS, you can look at anyone, but most of them want you to feel sorry, feel sad mm -hmm. for them, or uh, they kind of try to play the pity card, mm -hmm. which is fine if it works for you. And uh, and most of them want to raise money for research. So it's about doing something good for the future. And there's, mm -hmm. there, there is literally no one even now trying to make uh, people's lives better now. Mm -hmm. Like right now, what are you going to do about it? So you can raise a lot of money. You can make someone feel mm -hmm. sorry for you because you, you have a terrible life. So the stories essentially, uh, the editorial process is to get stories that are that talk about before how they were before and what they went through and what are some of the things that enable them to redesign their life in a way that allows them to still do the things that they love to do instead of you know give up everything and stay at home. Um, there are some amazing stories. There's actually uh, I I should like let you know there's what. Uh, there's an artist from LA who wrote about uh, him becoming an artist mm -hmm. when once he's diagnosed with uh, Crohn's disease and he makes augmented reality works that uh, that that look at uh, you mm -hmm. know what it's like on your insides and there's a f a, quite a few of them. We have a big audience in America, incidentally. So uh, yeah, so that that that's quite uh, that's quite nice to know that we're able to have that on the other side of the world. And there are loads of other stories about a woman supporting her husband mm -hmm. who's going through MS and kind of what she had to do uh, to actually make him feel normal and make him feel uh, like he's able to do everything, as well as uh, there are other stories of another woman who's uh, who has Lyme disease and wow. um, how who was like, um, you know, who used to like run marathons and then you have Lyme disease and suddenly you feel like an old an, an, an old woman who's not able to do anything. So that's a big mental shift to get over, you know. I mean, it's easy to say, oh, like I used to run marathons and now I can't do anything and just like mm -hmm. resign from life. But then what did it take for her to rethink and reframe her mind to be able to still do things that mm -hmm. she enjoys you know she's a, she's a wonderful writer she's uh sports was one aspect of her but what else could she do now as well so yeah so all the stories uh, in the end look at what you're capable of doing now because of your condition because when something is chronic and incurable there's no point asking someone to fight it every step of the way rather try to look at how you can incorporate it and live a better life. You know, Bhavani, when we first talked, and I, I remember telling you specifically, I mean, I, we connect on the fact that we're both international, but I, I remember saying, you know, I love the fact that uh, you really, you live the no excuse life. And there's, there is no, you know, the way you've grown up, you've literally had every single thing against you say, you shouldn't do this, but you always, fought tradition and you sought to make a difference. And since we last talked and as told by Nomads, the other podcast I hold, I host something exciting has happened to you. So you, I, I saw that you received funding from the Arts Council of England, uh, Innovate UK to pilot a series of social programs. Now, can you tell us what that is and why that's exciting? Yeah, um, they've done something uh, interesting where they're, they're looking at uh, social innovation either done it from a cultural perspective or from a tech perspective so so we're trying to my idea is because uh, i work in the arts i work with museums and galleries uh, and so on so the idea is to have uh, an exhibition that looks at 
invisible disabilities and I actually have something interesting for you I believe I believe this is the first time I'm actually saying this in a podcast so yay exclusive um, <laughs> I know right we need to like do something of sound effects for the podcast um yeah like a drum roll of some kind um yes we're gonna, we're gonna be launching this uh campaign that is um with the hashtag uh visible me where we're asking people to share about their um it, invisible symptoms and conditions of the day that mm. people can't see so in in an attempt at making it more visible because one of the things we did encounter with the stories were that uh, we've got a lot of people in our Facebook group, but not all of them are able to contribute stories yet, even though they have inspiring things to share. So the idea is uh, hopefully with the with Visible Me, we're able to actually mobilize a, a, a wider global audience and be uh, make everyone feel a part of it instead of just the ones who have you know, written a thousand word story. Gotcha. Now the hashtag visible me, is that also uh, the same thing with invisible labs or is that? Uh, yeah. Little... Uh, good thing about that. I'm sorry. There's just so many things going on. Um, yeah. With the funding is what uh, we've established the invisible labs, which is going mm -hmm. to be. Uh, so part of it is going to become uh, chronically driven. The other part is having this campaign and looking at, the people from different parts of the world and seeing well what are their pain points and what we can do about it as uh, as well as uh, another aspect where we're looking into invisible health data and what and uh, how we're able to respond to it because one of the uh, big elements is that every time i spoke to anyone any policymakers any anyone who could do something about it they immediately said oh Lena, that's awesome love your stories mm -hmm. but like can you give us some some numbers to work with can you give us some data to go mm -hmm. around with so so the funding is essentially uh invisible labs is uh is going to enable us to do that to collate this information so that uh we're able to uh, actually show these people well that is like i think Last time I checked, it was in 2014. It was over 500 million Americans. Am I getting that right? Something like that. Um, and then like one in three people in the, oh no, one in two people in the UK have uh, an autoimmune condition. So that's like 50% of your population. But people still think, oh, you know, this is a very small issue and we don't need to be concerned about it right now um, and, and so on. So that's kind of where... Uh, how it's being situated right now with chronically driven becoming a part yeah. of the invisible labs. You know, I, I love that you're taking it global because a lot of these things we take for granted. You know, I we're in the political climate here in the US and you see it um a lot of issues and interest oh, yeah. groups come up and you start mm -hmm. to hear some of the things that are so underrepresented and, and a lot of that is is one of them is you know it's chronic illness or disabilities. And it's because people don't have that information. I and mean, you, what your program is doing is, is that it's making that aware is raising enough information about it. It's bringing up the data and the stats. And you said five, you, you raised them. Is it 500 million people you said? That was a staggering number. That's a lot. Yeah, in America, in America, yeah. That's incredible. America alone. Because, um, yeah, that's America alone, yeah. Because the reason I'm saying it's incredible is that's why, you know, it's an invisible me. No one really knows what someone's going on. And like you said, you're... Your um uh, your business uh, friends yesterday were saying well, you look so good, yeah, <laughs> but they had no idea that you had to go to the hospital. And I think yeah. it's great that you're doing this. So if if it's called hashtag Visible Me, right? Yeah, if they... you know anyone with uh, a, an invisible condition, so just tweet it out, Instagram it, Visible Me. Tell us what you're going through on the day. So it just helps people to understand you can look amazing but you you can still feel awful inside. so that was my next question is for those of us that don't necessarily struggle with a chronic illness but yet we want to get behind your cause we want to support you and most importantly we want to show you guys love how can we go ahead and do that yeah uh brilliant question um a uh, i would i mean you you don't necessarily have to uh have something if you maybe uh if you wanted to use the hashtag to talk about it and want to know more mm -hmm. about it that would be awesome too because the uh the hashtag is essentially to be able to bring together 
people who are interested in it as well as um i believe the website should be live later today or tomorrow but if you just go to um the the invisible labs.com so you'll be able to like get up onto um um, a list so you will know all the new programs and things that are going to be coming up and uh yeah you're you know even just telling people will be great when i first started it i had like a donate button although the whole point i was like i don't really care if you give me money but i was like the best thing you can do is to tell someone about it but if you don't want to then you can give us money so yeah the best thing you can do is you know share the project with people Go for it. Yeah, I know Carlos has got another follow-up question. Yeah, you know, so, so so one of the things that you said before, Bhavani, was, you know, for your community, you really reinforce it to them that you do what you are capable of doing now. And I dropped it here in the comments because, you know, that really stood out with me. And so many times people complain about the silliest things. They complain that, you know, about someone unfriending them on Facebook or someone cut them off in traffic or someone was rude to them yeah. at work. You know, but they don't focus on, you know, the bigger picture and how fortunate they are that they're not necessarily, I don't want to say struggling, but they're not fighting a battle like what you or your community battles with. So for any entrepreneur out there, anyone listening, what three tips can you share to inspire people to do the what they want to do today with the opportunity that they've been given? Yeah, um, yeah, I do think we often don't realize what you're capable of because you're so busy complaining about the things, you know, like, oh, someone overtook me on the highway or, uh, oh, someone got the last burger I was going to buy Mm -hmm. or whatever, like anything ridiculous you can come up with. But, um, yeah, in terms of generally, I'd probably uh, say there are like three things that have particularly worked well for me in the past and i'm sure i'll learn a lot Mm -hmm. more in the future but for now it's it's not it's i know it might sound counterintuitive but it's not listening to someone when they say oh you know oh you you can't do that i mean there there are people who say oh i want to do this they say oh but that's not possible like that's ridiculous but at one point it wasn't possible for someone from three different cities across the country to be able to speak live and look at their faces but that's what we're doing now so if you if you do have an idea and if you're if someone's telling you it's not possible then don't listen to the ones who haven't defied the odds themselves because mm-hmm. <laughs> just because someone if you think you can't do it you feel like you need mm-hmm. to tell someone else oh you can't do it that's not possible right. But then if you listen to that, you're you're never going to be able to get to do uh, anything. Um, the, the second one, which was probably the hardest for me to overcome, was um, stop doing things for the money. And when you do things that you are great at, then people will want to pay you for it, which, which, which is crazy. It was crazy even for me when... I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't know how I'm going to internalize it. But you you were always going to be mm-hmm. mediocre at the things that you're doing just for the money, if uh, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ver- right. and the very last thing, which uh, which I would probably say is the most important thing, is to stop following your passion. And I know it sounds crazy, but. Uh, to me, you can be, you know, I'm passionate about coffee. I'm like, I'm a real coffee snob. Like I'm definitely <laughs> passionate about coffee. I'm passionate about, Are we all? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm passionate about anything else, like good stationery. But I think you, if you're going to work, if you're going to dedicate your life to something, do it for the things that you're obsessed about. Because you, mm. you can be like, I, I could open a coffee shop, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to fail. Like, I'm not going to be there at five in the morning doing the machines. Right. Uh, so I, I think it's knowing what you're passionate about and do it as a hobby and actually doing something that you need to do rather than, oh, I like doing it. So find out what, what is the one thing that you're obsessed about that you're never going to be able to let go. 
and that to me has made the wow. biggest difference. You know, that, that's that's very interesting perspective because, you know, the word passionate, I say passionate all the time. And I think I, I get what you're saying when you say passionate and obsessed. But, you know, like for me, I love sports. You know, I always wanted to be an athlete growing up. I started with, with soccer, then tennis, then basketball. And I got to college and I saw everybody was 6'6 <laughs> and they had better handles than me. And they could figure, I was like, I'm going back to just watching this game. But I, I still play and practice the sports, but I, I but that's uh, something I was really, really passionate about. What I'm obsessed about is telling yeah, stories, exactly. right? Telling stories, making a, making a difference, making an impact and and being a voice for, you know, the millennial generation. So it's, I, I think that's a, that's a very good point to, to make. I mean, some people can say they're passionate about it, but I think it's very, it's interesting if you have that intersection with passion and uh, obsession, because then, you have something that keeps you up at night. And that's, you know, for example, I was up four and waking up at seven for four consecutive days. And that, that was the reason why, because I was working on the seven things. Um, one thing I, I didn't know about you, Bavani, is that you love digital media. You love social media. You've built a career <laughs> out of that. Uh, and not many people, not many people know about it. A lot of people, when they come to your side, they, they know that you're this voice for chronically ill people. But you, um, I remember a conversation we had where we were arguing whether Facebook actually merged with Skype at one point. <laughs> yeah. But you you stay you up, right. You, you stay up to <laughs> I was right. You see, I, knew I was right. But you stay you stay up to date on the on tech news and digital media. Why do you think uh, why is that something that you are, I guess to use your word, obsessed with? I, 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 looking back retrospectively, it's because technology allows you to connect with people. And it's, it's, it's being able to do something that was, that's, you know, that's almost impossible. That's like, it should be impossible for me to speak to someone in New York and LA right now, but I am. So I, I think the obsession right. with technology comes from seeing that it's capable of doing things that are right now impossible. And, uh, and also having that, and, and for the very reason that, that to enable that to be able to do the impossible it's powered by by humans it's powered by curiosity and and i think that's what makes it interesting so i don't quite buy into the argument about oh you know technology is the opposite of everything that's nature or whatever whatever but uh yeah and i don't think it's what alienates us it 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 only magnifies who you really are so if if you are someone who doesn't like people you are going to stare at your phone and not talk to anyone but if you are someone who loves meeting new people you're going to try find what new groups can i get into or who can i connect with all right um yeah no i i, I love what you're saying and carlos will, yep. will go on with this but you know his favorite platform is snapchat a big snapchat uh, <laughs> that's his favorite too. um what is your favorite uh your favorite platform? Oh wow. Um my favorite. Are... You know what? I know it's really crazy, but I think I literally owe my entire career to Twitter. Like I need I, I need to find Evan Williams and like take him out for dinner or something. Cause like I I I find work there, I meet col new collaborators there. I even like the, uh, the funding that we received and who I'm working with right now uh, for Chronically Driven, I found found that out through Twitter. So that, like, hands down, it has to be that. Yeah, Twitter is a great platform. You know, right. Twitter is, uh, what's unique about it is that it's open source, right? So yeah. you can find pretty much anyone out there who's talking about any topic that's of interest to you. And you can just engage. You can send them a tweet. There's nothing really stopping you. There's not that barrier there where you have to connect or you have to go through the formality and you can just send a message and get on someone's radar. So for me, though, it's always been about LinkedIn. So for me personally, oh, wow. okay. yeah, so, oh, LinkedIn. So, so LinkedIn, oh. I got on. That was the first social network that I got on back in 2008. And that really helped me build a business network, which previously didn't exist. I didn't have access to business professionals online. Again, we're talking about joining LinkedIn in 2008 when it was still very much at the yeah. ground level. And it was from LinkedIn where that core network then expanded into Twitter. So the people that I was connecting with on LinkedIn, I wanted to follow them on Twitter. And then yeah. the people that I started to build really close and tight-knit relationships with carried over to Facebook. So then I was leveraging, and I still do this today, You know, granted now there's Snapchat, there's Instagram, there's other networks, but still at its core, 
having that multi-channel strategy or multi-channel approach has been the key for me. It's, you know, use LinkedIn as that business directory, actually engage on Twitter, but then get to know people on a more human level through Facebook. Oh yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, yeah, I completely get it. Like you can't friend someone you never talked to, but if you talk to them on Twitter, they somehow go, Oh, you know, maybe this person's cool. Like, uh, like I'll friend this person for a, lot, a little bit and see how it goes. Yeah, you know, Facebook actually is a hidden gem when it comes to social media groups. for business purposes. Yeah. Well, not only Facebook groups, but just the fact that you can get to know someone on a personal level, which again, LinkedIn, while it's great for breaking the ice and actually getting to see what companies certain people work for, identifying decision makers, all that's great. But Facebook is where I believe you actually get to know people on a more human level, which at the end of the day, let's face it, we want to get to know the people that we're going to potentially be doing business with because you tend to do business with those that you feel comfortable doing business with. So staying on this topic right. of social media, what do you feel are the most important platforms for entrepreneurs to be on? Right now, um, to me, I think you need to be on wherever the attention is, mm -hmm. because if you know you, you you could be someone who has like millions of followers already or none, but if you aren't where people are looking at, where people's eyes are right now, mm -hmm. then you're going to qu just as quickly fade away. Mm -hmm. So very true. <laughs> I yeah, I'd probably say um, Instagram's on top of my list. Uh, wow. Probably by the end of 2016, it might not be given that they're just taken on ads um, or I might even give it six <laughs> months. You never know. The reason it was so amazing was that because they didn't have uh, brands taking over it. Uh, but also um, Blab, because like when else could you randomly have a face to face chat mm -hmm. with someone you only admired or someone you used to tweet at, but then they never replied because they probably get hundreds of tweets. But then when you're online right. at the same time and you can look at them and talk to them, that I think that's pretty powerful. Um, as well as I, I think I'm uh, with Facebook, I value it a lot for the advantage of groups, which really helps even if mm -hmm. you don't have everyone on your friend list. Uh, I, th I think that coupled with uh, meetup groups because that almost works like uh, like social media in itself where uh, you can find interesting people and they could be on the other side of the world then you just get to know them or if they're closer to where you are then you can you know build a relationship much more easily right right um you know <laughs> it's interesting this carlos was doing a, a poll about uh trends for 2016 and i said you know i think live streaming whoever can figure that out is probably going to be the most successful platform and you know because you know you got facebook live you got periscope you got america oh, you got yeah. lab and then I, 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 yeah, and yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. no, I was going to say, have you discovered uh, Casey Neistat Beam yet? Yes. No. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm not I a know. big fan walking around with my cell phone like this up to my face. I will just. You, you, you know what? I, I think it's kind of ahead of the time. That's what we need once kind of like VR processes take on because I mean, I, I, the technology behind it is amazing. The fact that you're, you can't choreograph like your best selfie in the world or uh, that you can't like add all the filters in the world to make yourself look pretty or whatever. So <laughs> I think that's amazing. It's just the fact that he's bound by the iPhone right now mm -hmm. might be the only limitation. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she's able to put that into the iWatch maybe so in some weird pretty way. Much, pretty much the way that Beam works, Tayo, and Bavani hit the nail on the head. It's the anti-selfie social network. So right out of the gate, I don't think that you'd be very interested in it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways here's the way it works so there's a sensor on your iphone uh this little sensor right here picks up you put it either on your chest or you put it like up to your head and then it activates the camera on the front of your phone to go ahead and show people micro micro moments if you will or a few seconds at a time what is going on in your world so some people call it beam i call it be me so it's like first person point of view type social network i totally get the concept the interface i feel is a little janky and if you yeah. really want to 
real people in with cool technology, I think the user experience is extremely important and it really has to be friendly. So I jumped on there for about 72 hours and then just jumped right off. I was like, wow, this is too complicated. And I tell you, the platform, not for not for nothing, the platform that really in my books has taken off this year is Snapchat and the facial yeah. recognition technology of the filters. I feel that is the future of social advertising. It's incorporating the end user into an experience, into an ad. And if Facebook and Twitter and these guys can crack that nut, then I think they, they definitely have something on their hands. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I, and yeah. That, no, sorry, I was going to say and that is why Carlos is speaking on social media today. But um, yeah, go yeah ahead. I was just going to say, I do think like we've come to like the end of ads. Um, and if you really want to, market your product or service it needs to be built into an experiential mode or a content um kind of a way yeah. and not just like hey buy this you know this is amazing it's 9.99 or whatever yeah now jared asked what about cyber dust and i was one of the early adopters of cyber dust so i mean and, you know, I, I don't have anything. I love Mark Cuban, you know, first of all. And I see Cindy, Cindy Millett's here. Uh, she was one of my early friends on uh, on uh, Cyberdust. I I know, you know, I just, for some reason, I couldn't stay on as much as I wanted to, but I haven't gone back. I have to check it on. I, I think it's interesting. Um, I think what the, the, I think it's still slightly ahead of its time is what I would say. But maybe I'm wrong. Cindy's on here. I know she's a big Cyberduster, so she might uh, disagree with me, but uh I think the way Cyberdust works is that you can send pictures and do anything and it goes instantly, you know, it goes yeah. away. Um, and and the, the difference with Snapchat is that they say it's not on a server, you know, so See, it's, I, you know. I, I like but, um, Mark Cuban, but I do think when it comes to privacy, he hasn't moved beyond the 90s. Like, I might get a bunch of hate mail <laughs> from everyone who's like, just in the sense that I, I mean, we're in an age where you do need to redefine what privacy means. You can't stick to mm. the understanding of privacy from the 1950s and try to put it into this world because mm. it just doesn't work. And even if you like yeah. go back to like insane time, like if you go back to like old Greek philosophy, there's Plato talking about how there is like privacy is an illusion and that there is no difference between public and private spaces. And it's, it's, it's so insane mm. how that makes more sense now. Yeah. Rather than, yeah. I was going to say, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, my, my philosophy is this: there should be no expectation of privacy. If you're going to be engaging on public networks and Cyberdust, Snapchat, at the end of the day, they are still public networks because Someone somewhere has access to the data that you are transmitting on there. So if you do not want information about you to get out, just don't engage on the platforms. Yeah. No. no, no. So speaking of privacy and people, uh, you know, we, we talked about uh, the benefit of Blab giving you the chance mm -hmm. to talk to, to people that you yeah. only dreamed about. My three biggest role models are in no particular order, Oprah Winfrey, the late Nelson Mandela, and uh, Seth Golden. So which three people inspire you the most? Oh, uh, um, Seth Golden, he's definitely, um, I don't know if they're in uh, any order specifically. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, you know what, there are a lot, there are quite a few of them, and I don't think I'll be doing justice but Seth Godin definitely I do want to hopefully meet him at some point um Gary Vaynerchuk mm -hmm. is on the list somewhere um yeah he got yes uh, you and Carlos <laughs> you and Carlos now that I have, now you guys I have are a pass South guys... by let's like, like, say I am in. going to make sure that I take a selfie with Gary Vaynerchuk and you need to send that okay. to me yes you should so Gary V for you, Seth Godin, and I know you've got a list of other people, but um, yeah, no. Plus, I like, I, I like, I like when our guests name drop. Um, <laughs> look, I, I I love Gary V as well, but you guys, I think I've no, I never met a harder fan of Gary V than than Carlos, and I think maybe Bavani now, maybe you might be. Tyler, there, but, it um, seems like every uh, guest, you know, I love just his... about every guest that comes on to Hustle Culture is a fan of Gary V. I'm gonna start calling oh, him. I'm gonna start him calling Gary V the I, Godfather of Hustle. You know what? 
you know, you know, uh, but this, the, the thing with that, <laughs> with Gary V is, um, you guys, both of you were talking about the privacy thing, blows that out of the water. You know, he's as transparent but as there is. He still doesn't share um, anything about I, his family. Right. So, it's very yeah. true. True. But he started to do that with Daily V, right? He's starting to do that with the I Daily V. No, not his family. That, guess, that bit is still blacked out. Okay. Okay. So he redefined his definition of privacy then, uh, in, in a sense. But um, yeah, no, I think I think that's cool. I, I, I Usually we, I like to ask that question because I, I always want to see um, where our guests get inspiration from. And, you know, the running theme with the people you mentioned are people that are not afraid to go against tradition, uh, which is something that I share with you and, and Carlos. It's just, you know, going against the norm and, and living your own truth, speaking your own truth and uh, not being afraid to do that. So, uh, uh, you know, I definitely appreciate you saying that. We're almost at a, at a stop here, but um, Carlos, yesterday was Friday. It's usually Shark Tank. Um and uh, it's one of my favorite shows. You know, we just talked about Mark Cuban, but Please don't send if me I gave you now. a chance to pitch. No, no, they won't. I usually, um, if you had a chance to pitch, you know, to 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 us in Shark Tank, what would be your 30-second pitch be about Chronicle? Chronicle oh, wow. Um, probably not even 30 seconds. I'd, I'd say if you want to discover what it's, uh, what it's like to go beyond the extraordinary. Come join us. And where can they find you? Yeah. Um, well, I'm on uh, the the website that's going to go up is, uh, I don't know if it's live yet or not. It's the theinvisiblelabs.com. But if you, uh, you can go to my website, that's mm-hmm. B-H-A-E-S-A dot com and uh it will chronically driven right now is a page there so you will be able to see everything until the other one goes live and uh and okay. yeah twitter as i mentioned love it so on the twitters as i found out some people say twitters as well very cool very cool all right. Bavani, okay. thank you so much for joining us here on Hustle Culture. We have one final segment before we wrap up the show, and that is around the Hustler Spotlight of the Week. So this is where Tayo and I and our guests each talk about someone that we want to give a shout out to who's just doing amazing things, inspirational, motivating, and hustling. So we're gonna start with you as our guest. We're gonna put you here on the spot. Oh, wow. Who would be <laughs> your hustler spotlight of the week? Oh wow! Uh, you know what? I am actually gonna go out uh, to. I was just on a call with this girl who's in uh, with this inspiring woman who's in um, uh, America who told me she's studying to be a doctor as well as she has she runs her own non-profit for disabled uh, students to help them get scholarships and she has a disability of her own and and you know she was just going wow what you do is amazing and I was like are you kidding you're amazing so uh yeah considering everything she's been doing and you know the fact that she's going to be working through Christmas similar to mm-hmm myself and i'm pretty sure that christmas is pretty big uh where she is so yeah probably have to pick her excellent very cool okay 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 uh i yeah you know carlos i don't know if you're going to try and buy time (laughs) (laughs) because i'm trying to think of something uh, yeah i think i I, you know i'm you got it i think that's what you do it but i'm just gonna go up because i have to think real quick on the spot because i always forget about this every week um I think my hustle spotlights are going to have to be with to podcasters. So, because we've had several waves, several booms. It's been like blogging, you know, there was a, the blogging boom and then it went down the podcast boom. But for those of uh, those podcasts that have stuck through and stayed, you know, I think they're now starting to benefit from, um, from, you know, this being a, an interesting digital medium. That's uh it's a little different from, uh, from video and others because it, it goes with you when you can't use visual elements. So whether you're working out, cooking, stuff like that so people that have stuck through that 
Um, I think a lot of people are starting to see the benefits of that. So I, I would say shout out to fellow podcasters. Uh, you know, you, Carlos, you got two podcast shows yourself and um, a few other people. Well, that who, not who, there. Specifically, so who specifically that, the podcast game stands out for you? Come on. It's, it's a hustler. Spot, I mean, there are, there are quite a number. <laughs> it's got to be at least one person. Yeah. Okay, fine. Seriously, man, you don't do this to me. Fine. You know, I love Tim Ferriss. I love John Lee Dumas. I love Lewis Howes. And giving all the shout outs. There's a guy called <sighs> Carlos you. Gill. He does three shows. Uh, yeah, those are the people. Are you happy now? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I want to yeah, give a shout out to every Star Wars fan that camped out for tickets oh. and to see their movie. Yes, oh. I, I personally, in full disclosure, <laughs> that is terrible. And full disclosure, I am I am not a Star <laughs> Wars horrible. fan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank but you. I gotta say, Thank you. and I'm sorry, that is not my hustler spotlight of the week. I just want to say shout out. In full disclosure, I said I want to give a shout out. <laughs> okay, shout but, out, shout out, shout out. Fine. I, I, I'm, I'm still yeah. about you though. <laughs> but no, hustler spotlight of the week for me. He was actually on our show a few weeks ago. His name is Keenan, and he just dropped his book called Not Taught. So make sure you go out, visit nottot.com, get a copy of the book, listen to Keenan when he was on our podcast a few weeks ago. Dude brought the energy and he was on fire for just an hour straight. And actually, we stayed on. We talked to Keenan for about an hour after the show. And I wish that we could have, I wish that we could have recorded that and just kept recording because it would have been like part two of just awesomeness. But, you know, Keenan is uh, in my hustler spotlight of the week. Cool. Hey, no, good guy. And make sure you check out the episode. Uh, I believe it was two episodes back. But uh, I've gone to know Keenan. He's great. And um, he's also a fellow Patriots fan. So, uh, you know, I'm a big fan. <laughs> but, um, yes, that, that concludes the episode. And um, thank you, Bhavani, for coming on. It's been a pleasure yeah, to talk to you, you again. Thank you for having me. Um, I, absolutely. We, we hope to continue to spread your word and spread your mission. I think it's it's admirable. And I think it's one that needs to be out there. Um and, uh, you know, I usually say wherever you are in the world, wherever you are listening, whatever you're doing, remember to use your difference to make a difference. That is real talk. That's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hustle Culture Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and keep on hustling.